Baker Hostetler is excited to bring you a three-part podcast series, The Data Economy and You. You might have heard the term data is the new oil. In this podcast series, we'll be taking a look at how the recent U.S. privacy laws are revolutionizing what it means to sell data, how data should be governed and managed by retail and tech industries in particular because of the new requirements, and what businesses can do to identify and mitigate against regulatory enforcement and litigation risks. I'm Amy Kotman, and you're listening to Baker Hosts. On today's episode, we wrap up our three-part series on the data economy and you. We'll explore the ecosystem of data in advertising, the value of this data, and how to maximize its uses while maintaining compliance. Our guests today are Joanne Serrato and Aaron Goodman, attorneys in the Digital Assets and Data Management Group at Baker Hostetler. Joanne is a partner and a co-leader of the group's digital transformation and data economy team based in San Francisco. And Aaron serves as counsel in the practice group and is based in Chicago, focusing on ad tech and digital media transactions. Welcome to the show, Joanne and Aaron. Thanks for having us, Amy. Thanks for having us, Amy. Aaron, I'd like to begin with you. Will you explain who the players are when it comes to data in the advertising and digital media space? And how do they drive value from the use of data? Sure. You know, the ecosystem has has really changed over the last few years. We used to have a relatively simple ecosystem where, you know, on the one end, you had the advertisers who wanted to show their ads to consumers and were willing to pay publishers Uh, to be able to show their ads on the publisher-owned media. Today, you have a much more complex ecosystem with many different players, and most of them use data in one way or another. You still have advertisers who want to pay publishers to be able to show their their ads to consumers on the publisher media. And you you still have publishers who have media space available that they want to sell to advertisers in order to allow them to show their ads. But now, sort of in between the advertiser and the publisher, you have several different participants in this ecosystem who all play different roles and provide different services. And most of these players also collect and use data. To name a few, you have, for example, DSPs, demand-side platforms and ad exchanges. And these are platforms that allow advertisers to buy and media providers, publishers to sell media space on an impression by impression basis through real-time bidding. And so if you think about it, if I'm going to a website and the website is loading in my browser, this gives the publisher of that site an opportunity to put that impression. In other words, I'm about to view the website and, and ads on it. And it gives the publisher an opportunity to put that up for bid to advertisers who may wish to bid on the opportunity to show me an advertisement within that space. And along with that comes the use of data for advertisers to determine how much they they may be willing to bid and whether they even would like to bid on the opportunity to show me an ad. You also have data suppliers and data providers who are really third parties that deal in data. And so they provide data which has been collected in various different ways and combined, and they make this data available to the different players in in the ad tech ecosystem to use for targeting ads, measuring ads, and other use cases. And then you have measurement and verification providers who take data from campaigns and they use it to do things like track conversions, 
provide attribution, meaning helping advertisers understand where a conversion came from, and also to do fraud prevention and to measure viewability. And then finally, you have ad servers who have really two main functions. One is to deliver the ad content to a user so they can see the ad. And then in doing that, ad servers also collect numerous pieces of data about the user and the user's device who's, who's viewing the ad. So you have all these different players, and there's a lot that I haven't mentioned, and they're all using data in one way or another. So things that data may be used for, some examples, might be to target the right audience, to understand who the audience is, an advertiser, for them to understand who the audience is and who their target market might be. One other example might be to limit the number of times a particular user may see the same ad. That's called frequency capping because it's not a good experience for a consumer to see a thousand instances of the same ad in one day. And then to measure the return on investment that advertisers get from their ad campaigns. So I think that, you know, in some, we've really moved into a space where you have a lot of complexity and a lot of different players within this ecosystem and data sort of runs through the entire ecosystem and is the currency that the whole ecosystem is based on. Thanks, Aaron. Juwan, what role does the legal department have to understand and apply governance around advertising and marketing? Amy, as we talked about in our first podcast in this series for the data economy, the the laws have passed since 2020 in the United States to really change what it means for advertisers to, to have public knowledge or to create data-driven ads, or or simply put, to target audiences. I think the complexity of this ecosystem that uh, Aaron um, explained is exactly why these laws have been passed. Um, In the last uh, three years, starting from the CCPA, we have heard over and over again that what's driving these new privacy laws and this focus in uh, the use of targeted advertising is this concept that data is being proliferated, that there are many layers of third parties who are involved in in trying to measure the ad performances and to target and profile consumers. And so because, because now with these new privacy laws, the personal data definition includes the data that's used for advertising like IP address, mobile device identifiers and cookies, Marketing departments can't just simply get engage in getting panel data or, or buy user experiment observations or, or conduct ad testing without running into legal requirements. So, so the legal departments now, I think, have a, a pretty important role to play in identifying these new legal issues that's related to the use of uh, data for marketing and advertising. I agree with what Jawan um, what Jawan said, and then I think I would just add on top of that that you know what I'm seeing is it's becoming much more important that council have a good understanding of exactly what data is being collected and processed, who's using the data, what they're using it for, and how the data is flowing from one party to the other, and because all of those things are going to have an impact on how the parties are positioned under the applicable privacy laws, what agreements need to be in place amongst the different parties, and what privacy compliance obligations each will have. And so because of this, the complexity in the system, I think it's become a lot more important 
that attorneys who are supporting business teams within this space have a, a good understanding of the data flows and how the data is being collected and used. Aaron, how can companies perform functions like measuring the performance of their ad campaigns and using data to target advertising while also maintaining proper compliance? So that's a good question. And I think it goes back to to build off of sort of what I, I was just speaking on. You know, step number one in all of this is really having a good understanding of the data flows and how data is, is being used in connection with your advertising campaigns. And once you have a good understanding of that, you can then go through the analysis to determine in each case what needs to be done from a compliance perspective. And so the way that I usually think about these things at a high level are kind of three buckets of issues that I think need to be addressed when analyzing compliance with respect to advertising campaigns. The first is usage rights and restrictions in agreement terms. And so you want to be clear in your agreements and with whether it's customers, vendors, partners, uh, who is, is using the data and what they're allowed to do with the data. So you want to have clear usage rights and restrictions in your agreements. You generally are going to need to have some sort of data processing agreement in place. So part of your agreement should, should be a DPA. And that DPA is going to position the parties in appropriate roles with respect to the data. What I mean by that is under the applicable laws, you're either going to be a service provider, a third party, a controller, a processor. So there's different roles that each party in a particular transaction will play or will fill. And so you want a DPA in place that makes that clear. And then, you know, aside from sort of having the right paperwork in place, and by the way, that that second part, it will probably require some analysis to determine, you know, who sits in what role and what type of DPA terms are necessary for what the actual use case is, right? So you're going to have to walk through that analysis and make sure that you're positioning the parties the right way. And then in addition to having the right paperwork in place, you know, there's just a practical perspective of, of implementing compliance, right? And so you may, you want to have good terms in place, but then you also want to make sure that, you know, data subjects are getting notice. If an opt-out is required, that that's being provided to, to the data subject. And that signals such as, you know, consents and opt-outs are being passed from one party to the other party as, as required. And so the way that I always think about that part of that bucket of issues is I kind of walk through it in terms of placing myself in, in the position of the data subject, you know, and asking, you know, where am I getting notice of, of the data collection and how it's being used? Where am I being provided an opportunity to opt out if, if that's something that's required? And just kind of walking through the practical implementation aspect of things. And Aaron, what is the cost involved when maintaining this compliance? So, I mean, given sort of the complexity of the ecosystem and all of the, the new laws, U.S. state laws that are coming into place, you know, the cost can be quite high for companies. And, and usually when you're talking about cost of compliance in this area, there's a few things that, that really come into play. And, you know, number one that I could think of is the cost of the legal analysis and putting in place agreements with various different customers, partners, vendors, right? So there, you know, there's going to be some cost involved with analyzing, 
your privacy compliance obligations under these these laws and also with putting in place all these agreements and you may have a number of of different vendors in this space and so um, to go through and make sure that you have the right terms in place with all of them potentially negotiating new terms or changes to existing agreements all of that is going to have a cost associated with it the second thing that comes to mind is is the cost of maybe technological implementations that you might need to use or want to use that will assist you with your compliance obligations. So these are products and services that will help you make sure that data subjects are getting the right notifications, the right notices, are being provided an opportunity to provide consent or, or an option to opt out of things. And so these these are services that, that help you do that. And there's obviously costs involved with that too. And then I guess from a putting my business hat on from a business perspective too, there may be some costs related to a loss of data. So meaning, you know, the reality is that you may not be able to get as much data from from data subjects and consumers in a compliant way that, that you maybe previously had access to. And so from a business perspective, th- there may be some costs to that data loss. I have one final question for both of you. If you were an in-house counsel, what is the top question you would want to ask experts when planning a new compliance strategy? Joan, let's start with you. I think the top key takeaway here is, is that retail, uh, direct-to-consumer businesses, and, and tech are now regulated, and that legal now has a role in understanding and mitigating risks related to ad tech and targeted advertising. As Aaron said, the cost to comply is high, which means a compliance strategy needs to take into consideration where the high-risk processing activities are and determine a timeline. Much of the compliance work that we're highlighting, like designing and implementing a legal risk program for ad tech, is not built in a day. Because these are new, newly regulated areas, these are new legal risks, much of the clients that we work with, they don't have this in place today. So understanding which businesses are impacted and navigating the patchwork of state, federal, and international laws that may or may not apply. We, we have conversations daily about which state uh, threshold is met and which is not. And does GDPR apply in this case? Does it not? And how do you compare California with GDPR? And so really understanding first that these are new legal environments. These are new risks. And two, how do you really understand the patchwork of laws that overlap and have conflicting jurisdictions on the business would be the first step. And if you missed it, we discussed the new privacy laws in the United States and their impact during the first podcast in this series for Data Economy and You. And in the second podcast, we discussed the regulatory enforcement and litigation risks that follow from those new laws. So having a good handle on how to identify the risks, hopefully should give in-house counsels a good starting point to strategize how they're going to plan ahead. In the near term, what I'm I'm finding is that the businesses are most concerned about how to deal with third-party cookie deprecation, which is what Aaron is going to talk about next. And in the long term, AI seems to be driving most of the risk discussions today. So as we are dealing with these changes, in the regulatory environment and in the business practices, whether it's third-party cookie deprecation or AI, 
I think having a good understanding of the evolution of the privacy laws and how they impact customer profiling and the use of ad tech um, is, I think, going to be a, a, a priority for in-house councils moving in the near future. Thanks, Jawan. And what about you, Aaron? Sure. And as Jawan mentioned, you know, we are seeing a lot of questions from clients about the deprecation of third-party cookies. And so we're getting, we're fielding a lot of questions specifically about, you know, alternative solutions, um, solutions that can kind of take the place of the use of third-party cookies and privacy compliance related to those solutions. And we're seeing a lot of clients try various different different options, right? So there's a number of different things that, that are being developed and, and being used in this space. I haven't seen personally anything that has sort of become the thing that is going to replace third-party cookies. I've seen clients trying various different things. So you have things like kind of just going back to the old days with contextual advertising. So we see clients relying a little bit more on contextual advertising. There are some unified ID type solutions that avoid the use of of third-party cookies that we see clients trying out. And then there's things like server-side tracking and other uh, technological implementations that that don't use cookies, as well as things like clean room solutions and and others. So we see clients trying all these things and the questions that they're, they're coming to us with are, you know, in terms of dealing with these solutions, you know, what, what are the privacy impacts? What are the privacy compliance impacts? Are, are these actually going to help us from a privacy compliance perspective? And one thing that I've noticed is kind of like a a theme that keeps coming up is, is just making sure that everyone understands that a lot of these solutions still use uh, certain identifiers that might be considered personal data under the various uh, applicable laws and regulations. And so I wouldn't want people to think that just because they're using a cookie list solution or they're not using third-party cookies, that the solution or their collection of data is automatically, your use of data is automatically privacy compliant. I, I want you know clients to understand that they still have to walk through the analysis and look at what data is being collected how it's it's being used, who's using it, and and you still may have privacy compliance obligations. So it's not sort of automatically privacy compliant just because you're you're not using cookies. Thanks so much for joining us today, Juwan and Aaron. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having us, Amy. If you have any questions for Jawan or Aaron, their contact information is in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening to Baker Hosts. Comments heard on Baker Hosts are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker Hosts without first consulting with a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Hosts are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerlaw.com.